Welcome to the What Matters Most podcast, presented by First United Bank and Trust. That's my bank. Visit us today at mybank.com. Hello and welcome to What Matters Most, a podcast all about finances, community, savings, and security for you, your family, and your business. This podcast is brought to you by the helpful folks at my bank, First United Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, What Matters Most is our monthly economic update. And for this helpful discussion, I'm thankful to be joined once again remotely today by Brad Bolliard, Portfolio Manager in First United's Wealth Management Department. Brad, good morning. Good morning, Eric. Nice to be with you again. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. How was how were the holidays? How was your New Year's celebration? Everything good? My New Year was great. I got to celebrate it with my new niece. Her name is Parker. Oh. And we she made the holidays extra special. Uh, little ones always do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Lots of joy around opening gifts and seeing the the joy in their in their eyes. It's so so good. Yep. Anything that played music or or lit up, she she just loved it. And I'm sure next year she'll be helping us open her gifts. So. Absolutely. Well, anything <laughs> that makes music or lights up catches my attention too. So I'm 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 on board with Parker. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, she made it extra exciting. So I bought her some Dr. Seuss books. She loves to sit down and, and look at the pictures as you read to her. So I think, I think she'll be going on the right track here and we just, we just enjoy her. We're having a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, all right. So let's hop into our monthly economic and market review uh, for January. Um, so I know as, as normal, we're going to talk negatives, positives, conclusions, current strategies, but tell us, you know, every, every month it's like, are we talking, do we have more negatives or more positives? So where are we starting this month? We're going to start off with the negatives. Um, bad news first. (laughs) Well, and on a positive note, and there's, there's, you know, one side or the other seems to be a little beef here sometimes, but it's kind of equal here. So um, I won't try to overburden you with one or the other too much, and then we'll try to make some conclusions and set our strategy out for the year. Um, but yeah, let's start off with some of the negatives. Um, you know, one of the mistakes that can occur is monetary policy mistakes. So the Fed raised rates seven times in 2022, and of course, you know, their fight is they're trying to fight inflation. And after hiking 75 basis points in November. The Fed executed a hawkish deceleration in December. It downshifted to a 50 basis point pace, but simultaneously raised its projected year-end 2023 rate to 5.1%. So right now we're at a level of four and a quarter to four and a half percent. And while 75 basis points hikes may no longer be the status quo, price stability is still the Fed's top priority. We'll meet again on January 31st and February 1st. And the Treasury curve is deeply inverted currently right now. Um, beginning with 2023, we're looking at that six-month, one-year, and two-year period. That's more the the um, heightened area of rates right now. Um, in 2022, of course, we were shorter duration, and a lot of that has helped us with new cash and and replacing maturities and called bonds and so on. Um, but we'll look at that a little bit here, in a little bit as we draw our conclusions. Um, I want to talk about also on the negative side, some of the manufacturing numbers. Again, anytime I mention a number above 50, that's expansion territory and below 50% is contraction territory. And unfortunately, we had to put manufacturing and services 
On the negative side this this month, Eric, hmm. um, we'll start out with the manufacturing index. That fell to 48.4% in December from 49% in November. Uh, this figure indicates contraction after 30 straight months of expansion. Wow. So the manufacturing PMI figure is the lowest since May 2020, and that's when it registered 43.5%. Of course, that was at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, new orders, 45.2%, production, 48.5%, and new export orders, 46.2%. Those all contracted. Respondents discussed orders and demand slowing. Companies continue to judiciously manage hiring. Um, the month-over-month performance of supplier deliveries was the best since March 2009. Uh, lead times are returning to normal for most suppliers. Good to hear that. Well, some of smaller suppliers are still struggling to remain staffed up enough to keep up with orders. And I think, you know, us as normal citizens and, and customers of, you know, say Amazon or just you're going out to different restaurants, um, you can kind of tell that you, you, you feel that that, you know, you might be getting your mail supplies a little quicker than what you were before your packages and so on um, than a couple of months or even a year or two ago. But um, you still feel that maybe they're still having some labor issues, like when you go to a restaurant or something. So, on. so right. uh, managing headcounts and total supply chain inventories remains primary goals as the sector closed the year. More attention will be paid to demand as we enter the first this first quarter to shore up order books for the next six to twelve months. The two manufacturing industries that reported growth in December are primary metals and petroleum and coal products. Um, so metals and petroleum coal products. Um, 13 industries reported contraction in December. Now let's move on to the services side. Again, that's also on the negative side and is um, has now moved to a contraction given it's below 50%. The services index fell to 49.6% in December. That's from 56.5% in November. It's a pretty big drop. Yeah, the composite index contracted for the first time. That was since May 2020. And in May 2020, it registered 45.2%. So it's even actually a little lower than from our current 49.6%. Hmm. Uh, business activity, 54.7%. New orders, 45.2%. Employment, 49.8%. And backlog of orders, 51.5%. Uh, so new orders is where especially it, it got hit the most. That all slowed. Um, respondents indicated that business is beginning to slow, but supply chain and pricing pressures, again, are beginning to subside. Um, I just want to mention quickly the 11 services industries reporting growth in December listed in order, retail trade, healthcare and social assistance, utilities, public administration, arts, entertainment, recreation, mining, accommodation, food services, transportation and warehousing management of companies and support services, uh, professional services, scientific and technical services, and finance and um, insurance. So there were only six industries reporting a de decrease actually in the month of December, and that's real estate. Of course, you know, with real estate, rates rates are rising. Mm -hmm. um, less applications there, but rental and leasing, wholesale trade, other services, information, uh, construction, and educational services. So let's talk about some of those rising rates. We'll talk about uh, the November PCE. Uh, PCA inflation rose 5.5 year-over-year in November. Core PCE was up 4.7% annually and up 0.2% on a monthly basis. All these figures came in below expectations, and PCE inflation continued to show moderation and in inflation similar to CPI over the last month. So still a strong number, 
Um, it's not as high as it was, but it's not as low as they have it to be. <laughs> yeah. um, housing, again, continues to struggle. Spending on single-family home fell, homes fell 4% in real terms in November and 23.4% year-over-year. That's a sign the market is struggling to find a bottom and falling mortgage rates and declining home prices in many metro areas is what they're seeing there. Hmm. But I do want to move on to the positives. Let's do that. Let's brighten our, brighten our day. Let's brighten up the day a little bit. <laughs> um, and I'm going to talk about even about rates a little bit, but we'll start off um, with some of the main things that we look at first, and that's, of course, jobs. The U.S. added 223,000 jobs in December. It was the smallest increase in two years, but the labor market continues to show vigor, even as the economy faces rising headwinds. So still a good number. Wages rose by 4.6% year over year less than expected and less than the prior month. So that's where we're kind of seeing the Fed raising rates, um, seeing an area where, you know, maybe it's kind of cooling off a little bit um, with wages. Meanwhile, unemployment rate fell to 3.5% for 3.6%, the government said. Um, The jobless rate has touched 3.5% several times since 2019, matching the lowest level since 1969. Um, And that's all according to the government data. The strong labor market also offers the best hope for the Fed to advert a recession as it jacks up interest rates to the highest level in years. Higher rates reduce inflation by slowing the economy. But if most people are working, they are likely to spend enough to keep the economy afloat. And that's kind of what we've been seeing happening. Healthcare providers, hotels, and restaurants accounted for most of the increased employment last month. They added a combined 150,000 plus jobs. Hiring was weaker in most other sectors suggesting that the labor market is likely to soften further. And of course, high tech has been hit particularly hard and is experiencing a, a wave of layoffs there. Of course, when we entered the pandemic, we had to, we had a big influx towards technology, really, because a lot of people started working from home and were buying office supplies and for different areas that maybe they weren't before. Um, okay, so let's talk about initial weekly jobless claims. They decreased by 19,000 to 204,000 in the week ending December 31st. Um, initial claims data can be noisy around the holidays, of course. Right. But the low level of initial claims is a reminder that employers overall still aren't laying off large numbers of workers. Uh, the four-week moving average was 213,750, a decrease of 6,750 from the previous week's revised average. The number of people already collecting unemployment benefits, meanwhile, slipped by 24,000 to 1.69 million. And uh, that is something that we're really seeing out there. You know, they're trying to manage right now because some of those smaller businesses, while having some staffing issues or labor issues, but at the same time, if the talk is possibly, you know, the Fed's fighting inflation and if they fight hard enough, they could possibly cause a recession and, um, whether that's going to be a soft landing or a hard landing that remains to be seen, but um, you know that that creates other issues with headcount and um, and staffing issues where you're trying to manage that situation. So that'll be an interesting area this year. Um, the job openings and labor turnover survey shows continued strength in the labor market as the abbreviation jolts that declined just 0.5 percent month over month in November to 10.458 million job openings down 12% in a record from a record of 11.86 million job openings in March, 2022. In November, there were 1.7 job openings for every unemployed worker. Hmm. 
and continuing one of the most astounding numbers of this extended labor shortage. Uh, voluntary quitters rose to 4.173 million, and the quits rate rose a tick to 2.7%. Quits have topped 4 million for a record 18 months in a row. People quit more often when they think it's easy to get a better job. Of course, you know, if you're being told that there's a lot of job openings, and this was especially <laughs> the case in 2022, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see this um, kind of see this uh, fade a, a tad. But in 2022, that was indeed the case. You know, people were wanting to move on to uh, hire better things if they saw that there were a lot of openings. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and, and there's um, 10 million jobs out there waiting to be taken. Yeah, yeah. Um. Don't know if that's that necessarily the case. At you know things like fast food and so on. It seems like you go in there and you kind of <laughs> order your own food. And now I'm even seeing like uh, stationary services where you just go to like a, a vending type of machine or something, and I guess it pops out your quarter pounder. I'm not sure how all that works. I haven't actually seen it in person yet. I've just kind of seen some of the headlines there, but things are even getting interesting in that aspect. <laughs> That'll cut the job <laughs> jobs down a little bit. Yeah. Right now, I'm just relying on DoorDash a little bit to deliver <laughs> my uh, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. So, also on the negative side, the um, or the positive side, I should say, uh, it's been on the negative side. Anytime I see China <laughs> with mm-hmm. their zero COVID policy for the past uh, year or two, it's been on the negative side. But we've actually moved that to the positive side now. Um, China's has moved away from its zero COVID policy to a reopening story. And that should help clear the way for an acceleration in economic and earnings growth over there. So, um, so what, you know, one final thing I wanted to mention, as you know, I am kind of, I lean more towards the fixed income side of the market. Um, and I, I do want to kind of point out just three different positives for bonds and rates, you know, 2022 with the Fed raising rates and we're seeing a higher, higher yield curve in general, even though it's, it's kind of inverted rates are higher. Um, a lot of four percent, five percent, and even up to six percent on some bond issues that we've been seeing with you know positive outlook, stable, stable outlook, and investment grade rated bonds. Um, so that's been helping us out in, in the second half of 2022 with new cash and maturity replacements and call replacements and so on. But there are three things to watch here in 2023. Um, this year should be better. <laughs> because with that seesaw effect, with the rates rising, what you saw in 2022 were prices decreasing. Mm-hmm. Um, but after soaring across the yield curve last year, yields are offering attractive income. The 10-year U.S. Treasury yield is near its highest level since 2009. Treasury yields are more likely to decline than rise over the course of the next 12 months. And that's generating positive price return as the Fed reaches the end of its most aggressive tightening cycle. So again, this is that seesaw effect. Um, you should start to see some of the prices come back um, uh, on some of the individual bond issues, which will kind of generate some of the return in, in accounts. Even if policy rates, though, do remain higher for longer and Treasury yields climb a bit more, slowing growth under restrictive Fed policy is unlikely to generate negative returns given the cushion yield levels now provide to help offset price loss. Um, the second uh, things to watch with bonds in 2023, still all about inflation. We think inflation will keep trending lower, though, in 2023. Um, if labor markets remain tight, though, and inflation remains too high, the Fed will merely will get more hawkish, boosting already high odds of recession. Uh, recessions have a strong history of lowering inflation. 
And the third thing to be optimistic about, uh, especially communities and the tax free side, which is the side we don't always talk during about during the podcast, but we're seeing moderation and inflation data and the highest muni yields in over a decade that have supported demand for munis amid low new issuance, reducing total returns on more than 4%. Um, investors should continue to favor high quality bonds amid elevated recession risks in 2023, which is an area um, that we kind of pride ourselves on. Our, our higher quality kind of sets us apart in terms of uh, fixed income and bonds. Um, I think we have like, for example, one bond issue that's, that's kind of, um, has been downgraded recently to just below investment grade. And that was a a store that everybody's very familiar with Kohl's and Mm -hmm. we only hold two issues and they both mature this year. So (laughs) hopefully McColl's Kohl's will hold out for just a few more months and I'm sure they will. Um, (laughs) they'll be fine for at least that long. But yeah, everything else, um, our portfolio is investment grade, and we're ha- very happy to see that. Very, uh, It's been an exciting time for bonds, really, at the end of 2022, and, and even this year, I think, will be will continue to be the case. So what conclusions can we make? Um, a new year marks a new beginning, but for now, the story remains the same for equity markets. Rapid Fed tightening to fight high inflation in 2022 will work with a lag in the econ- economy in 2023. This is already showing up in some economic indicators, again, such as housing or mortgage applications are at a 25-year low. Additionally, banks are tightening lending standards. CEO confidence is low. Some layoffs, hiring freezes are being announced, and leading economic indicators are negative. We believe the odds are high that a recession occurs in 2023, but we do expect it to be mild. Um, over the coming months, investor focus will likely shift from inflation concerns to economic damage. We believe a lot of negative news has already been priced in. And seeing underlying tact- technical improvement over the past several months, uh, however, S&P 500 remains in downtrend for now. Volatility is likely to persist, and the bottoming process and recovery may be elongated in this environment. With this in mind, we recommend being patient and pragmatic with positioning. Use the weak periods as opportunity with a long-term perspective and refrain from chasing rally periods. So we'll be taking some opportunity here with some of the weak periods this year. Um, as flatly anticipated, the, the FOMC voted unanimously to raise the federal funds rate target range by 0.5% again to that four and a quarter, four and a half percent in December's meeting. While there's been speculation that the Fed is nearing the end of the tightening cycle, Fed Chair Jerome Powell indicated that the Fed intends to keep raising rates for at least quarter one of this year, 2023, with no reductions until 2024, as it strives to hit its target 2% rate of inflation. The Fed raised rates seven times and by a total of 425 basis points since March, when it established its hawkish approach to curtailing inflation. So, you know, the, the Fed's kind of saying, well, this is what we're going to do, hold on to our hawkish stance in 2023. We feel like the market has filled in uh, a lot of this and maybe even towards the end of 2023, maybe we'll start to see uh, relax in in some of the rate um, holdings and and, and increases and so on. So the the Fed and the markets kind of tell us a little bit two different things. But again, here at the beginning of the year, we'll continue to see that the curtailing inflation approach that um, it is the most aggressive start to the tightening cycle that we've seen in the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. The federal funds rate target is four and a quarter, four and a half percent. Again, that's the highest since 2007. Actually, the latest stop plot, which is the estimate from Fed members 
where they see the federal funds rate during the next several years shows that it now sees an ending rate for the tightening cycle higher than previously indicated in June and September. So they'll continue that fight. Yeah. So, so what kind of strategies can we make based on all this information? And um, I do apologize. I feel like it's been a, a lot of information for you this time, but um, no, right now, great. yeah, right now we are equities. We are just uh, modestly underweight there. You know, we have a higher allocation than we used to to alternatives. In 2022, we made that new. That target right now is 33 to 8% of, of stocks. Um, overweight healthcare and international, equal weight communication, technology, financials, basic materials, utilities, energy, and real estate. Underweight staples, consumer discretionary. Um, and, you know, we'll continue to watch that and continue to watch those moves that we make here early on in, in the year. International will target 5 to 10% of stocks. Fixed income, we've been neutral on fixed income, focused on intermediate and short-term bonds, um, judicious use of preferred stock, not purchasing you know bonds below that triple B plus BAA one. You don't want to be holding on to something that's not of quality if you, if you expect a, a soft uh, or a mild recession. Um, we are selective on munis. Um, high yield and underweight level is appropriate there. Default risk is less in asset class, making minor additions. Um, and cash, we've actually, you know, up to this point, we have been overweight cash, and that's been a very helpful area also. So hopefully that's um, helpful to our clients and and based on the negatives, positives of the market, conclusions we can make in our current strategy based off that. You know, please reach out to us. I know you always ask, Eric. Um, <laughs> You're heading me off at the pass. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, Brad, tell tell folks where uh, where they can get support. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll give you the specific phone number. Actually, oh, nice <laughs> uh, for our wealth management department in general. Um, call us at eight five five eight two nine. 7192. So that's that's not the bank, the general bank uh, customer number, but that's the general wealth management side um, number. And, um, you know, you can always also reach out and look for more information on our wealth management page. Our main uh, First United Bank and Trust website is mybank.com. You can go to mybank.com slash wealth hyphen management slash to get to our specific uh, webpage course, you can find the link if you just go to mybank.com and look for the wealth management area. And feel free to reach out to one of our, um, you know, one of our wealth management officers. We'll help to customize your plan today, and we can schedule a consultation with you um, with uh, one of our officers in your local area, whether it's uh, you know Oakland, Cumberland. Uh, Morgantown area or Frederick will get you set up and um, be happy to start customizing your plan. Awesome. And uh, let me, let me speed up things a little bit for you there. The, uh, the domain, if you want to go straight to the wealth area, you can actually get there uh, with a little shorter address. You can just go to mybank.com slash wealth. So you don't have to add that dash management in there and it'll, yeah. it'll get you to the same place. So make it as simple and clear as, as possible. Easy please. as it can be. Too, right? Too many. <laughs> Too many dashes and height. Too many slashes, slashes, too many dashes. We got to keep it easy. My I bank. think I heard once one of the original creators of the internet was just very upset that he, you know, included the extra www. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, the good news is for us, we you don't you don't yeah. even have to type that in there. So mybank.com yeah. slash wealth, yep. that'll get you where you need to go. So yeah, I agree with them because that www gets it's it's hard <laughs> enough to say, you know? Yeah. It is. Uh, <laughs> well, Brad, thank you so much uh, for joining me today and giving such helpful insights. Really appreciate you. Uh, so thanks. And I guess we'll, we'll talk again in a few months. All right. Thank you, Eric. All right. Brad Balliard, Portfolio Manager in First United's Wealth Management Department. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting mybank.com slash podcast or find us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mybank.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time with more helpful content. But until then, we wish you the best in focusing on what matters most to you. First United, my bank for life. This document is a general communication being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from First United Bank and Trust or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision and should not be relied upon in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, credit, and accounting implications and determine together with their own professional advisors if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results.